We continue with part two of our interview with Sandra Tanner next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? The Utah Lighthouse Ministry has had a huge impact on Mormonism for the past 60 years. Their website is utlm.org where you can find just about anything connected with Mormonism and of course Mormon fundamentalism. UTLM was started in the early 1960s by uh, Gerald and Sandra Tanner, who've been labeled as the world's most famous anti-Mormons. Our <laughs> guest this time is Sandra Tanner, as we continue from last time. This is part two, discussing the book entitled Lighthouse, which is an autobiography of your work, as yes. yours and Gerald's work in the, the Mormon culture. The author is Ronald B. Huggins, published by Signature Books in Salt Lake City. Now, we talked about last time about your deep roots that go clear yeah. back to Brigham Young, which, yeah. of course, should give you some credibility in, <laughs> in the topic that you go in. And you were born and raised in the Mormon faith, yes. born as, and raised as a Mormon. And so you do have an impeccable Mormon heritage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so tell our viewers again how you, they can get your book. Okay, that can be ordered directly through our website at utlm.org through the book list, or they can go to a local bookstore. It can be ordered on the internet through Amazon. So it's available at least readily in Utah. I don't know how far afield it might be, but anyone could order it. Any bookstore could order it in for them. Mm -hmm. But they can either go to Amazon or to our website. Mm -hmm. And that's both very easily got through those of those. Now, uh, I I mentioned last time that the the subtitle describes you and Gerald as despised and beloved critics of Mormonism. Now, I personally am among the beloved number of folks that (laughs) consider uh, you beloved because of your meticulous and informative work digging out the truths of Mormonism, and and it helped me release from my bondage of being born and raised in Mormon fundamentalism, which is the same thing as you were raised in, only they did polygamy. Um, So personally, I want to thank you, and and I appreciate you and Gerald and uh, and the book and the story that was finally written of of what you've been doing. We ended last time uh, talking about your visit with LeGrand Richards and his threats and intimidation and prevarication. Uh, obviously hiding important information from the Mormon church membership. Um, After you had publicized your work entitled, quote, excerpts from the writings of Joseph Lee Robinson, LeGrand Richard sent you that threatening letter that we discussed last time. Um, And... And in that publication, you revealed a previously unknown incident, I guess, that stirred him up, where Emma was about to leave Joseph Smith because of his relationship and shenanigans with another woman. Uh, (laughs) Okay. She was making preparations to leave and go back to her family in New York. He objected to your, specifically to your writing about this incident what exactly was his threat to you about suing you, I think, was, yeah. was part of it. But why would that be a specific... Well, the Mormons want to paint Joseph and Emma's relationship as uh, the perfect married couple and that everything was wonderful between them. And yet the actual story of Joseph and Emma would show that Emma often uh, challenged him on some of his revelations. In fact, that's how we ended up getting the word of wisdom was because she had challenged him on 
getting a practical revelation, uh, tell the elders to quit spitting tobacco on my floors, you know. And so then Joseph gets the word of wisdom. But she challenged him on, an, uh, she never accepted polygamy. Right. Uh, I mean, he had at least 22 wives before Emma got sealed to Joseph in an eternal sealing because she had been uh, withstanding the teaching of polygamy mm. and, and just wouldn't accept it. So Emma's kind of an interesting person in the whole story. Uh, I think it's curious that Joseph won't let her see the plates. Yeah. That yeah. he could show it to his buddies but he evidently thought Emma was a little too shrewd. Too bad critical thinking going on <laughs> yeah, with <right>. her. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Emma's a sad figure in the church, uh, especially on the polygamy angle, because yeah. he was going behind her back. I was just talking this week to a university student, Mormon, and uh, he believed he could rationalize any problem. And I said, but how do you make sense? out of Joseph lying to his own wife yeah, about yeah. polygamy and placing her so far down the line on sealing. It's like blackmail. You don't get sealed for eternity unless you accept polygamy. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's just, she has a very sad story. <laughs> yeah, she does. I agree with you. Um, uh, I, from my own experience, when I started questioning, um, not only questioning Mormonism, but trying to discover what the truth was. And that was very, very yeah. long after I left the polygamy group. But there were two facts that I found difficult to believe. It was the the last two facts that I clung to. One of them was that I preexisted. The other one was the Book of Mormon was a fraud. Uh, and I've talked to others who yeah. those two seems to be a problem with them, too. But how long was it uh, before you discovered... Um, that the Book of Mormon was not a valid ancient history, and you held on to your belief on the Book of Mormon longer than Gerald did. What yeah. specific problems did the Book of Mormon present that finally convinced you that it was not valid? Well, <clears throat> for several years, Gerald and I had struggled after we left Mormonism. We struggled with still believing the Book of Mormon and yet seeing problems. Uh, Gerald uh, since we got married, before we got married, had been struggling with Book of Mormon issues. One thing that had always bothered him was the amount of King James Bible quotes in the Book of Mormon that are mm -hmm. in the same language. I mean, how could this foreign culture have a book that's translated into English and have phrases that are all coached, uh, couched in King James yes. phrasing? <laughs> especially when he seems to be quoting Paul in Old Testament portion of the Book of Mormon uh, in King, King James English, you know, mm. just kind of mm, start thinking about that. I don't think that would really work, you know. Yeah. But um, I didn't quite get how big a problem that was, and uh, but Gerald was struggling with it. But for me, it was after going through several years of reading some different critical material on the Book of Mormon, I read uh, M.T. Lamb's book, The Golden Bible, and this was done by a minister here in Salt Lake in the 1887 time frame. Hmm. And in it, Lamb goes through and talks about all the internal problems for the Book of Mormon, uh, things that you wouldn't expect to find in a writing done by an actual Hebrew in 600 BC, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound like 
the time period. It it all sounded too modern. Mm -hmm. And so Mr. Lamb goes through some of the illustrations on this. But the final blow was when he explained the Book of Mormon says that they are keeping the law of Moses. And yet it also says that they were offering burnt offerings and personal sacrifices for sin out of the firstling of their flocks. And Lamb pointed out the first of the flock already belonged to God. A Jew that knew the law would know his personal sacrifices, his burnt offerings, had to come from the rest of his flock. It couldn't come from the first mm -hmm. that already belonged to God. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I thought, well, this is a major problem because if these were really uh, Jews practicing the law of Moses in America at 600 B.C., they would have known how the sacrifices were. Sure. And they would have done them right. So obviously this is a Protestant <laughs> in the 1800s that doesn't understand the law of Moses, just assuming that all sacrifices were the same, that, mm -hmm. that you could take them from any animals or your that you owned. Right, And it right, didn't make right. a difference. And yeah. I thought, no, this, this is a major flaw. It, this is too much like a current person who didn't understand the law of Moses mm -hmm. or trying the, the to law sound like they were yeah. using Old Testament concepts. Mm -hmm. So that was the final straw. Wow, interesting. <laughs> and it's those little things. Yeah. I, I, you know, I really believe after studying a lot of these things that God put in a lot of those little things just yeah. to catch those through the decades who would, um, who would try and ruin his work. Um, the Lighthouse book covers quite a bit about the LDS church and politics and their spying on their own members as well yeah. as keeping tabs on polygamists and new yeah. polygamy groups and so on. The book also writes about you and Gerald discovering that you were objects of the FBI and CIA investigations. <laughs> you were just writing about Mormonism. You were just revealing some of the hidden stuff in historical documents. Why was the FBI and CIA concerned about you? <laughs> well... Uh, in our studies, we came across people that had, Mormons, that had been involved one way or another in the Watergate scandal back in the dark ages of Nixon. Uh, that was a president, for those who don't remember, or yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, there were just a lot of Mormon names that kept popping up through that uh, event, and got Gerald curious. He started looking into things and trying to figure out what role did these different Mormons play in government or with the break-in or had knowledge or cover-up or anything of this. Um, and Gerald got involved in <laughs> following through on who some of these people were. We end up with a couple of guys talking to us who it turns out are CIA agents, but they're always retired. You don't talk to active <laughs> CIA people. Oh, my. Uh, <laughs> you know, was, well, I did work for the CIA at one time, but I'm retired. You know, uh, well, everyone's okay. retired. You know? yeah. But uh, these two Mormon guys that had studied together at the BYU Jerusalem Center uh, are both uh, involved some way in government activity uh, well, so there's all this intrigue that's going back and forth and these people that are sending us emails and um, some of it's a little complicated to explain, but 
so our investigation in these areas, someone evidently thought the only people looking into this sort of thing are communists. So that red flagged you. Yeah, red flagged us that we must be communists if we're uh, looking into all of these kinds huh. of areas. And like, what did we ever do that was political, you know? Yeah. Uh, so then when they passed the Freedom of Information Act some years later, someone says, you know, you guys ought to ask for your file. So we sent off for our Freedom of Information <laughs> file from the government, and we get all the, the stack of papers, and half the stuff on every page is blacked out. Yeah. Redacted. Uh-huh. And so I'm, I'm thinking... What did we ever do political that they would have this much material with this much blacked out? My word, my goodness. <laughs> so anyways, it's quite a story, and I think it's a pretty crazy one that people would find intriguing to I read about. I think so, <laughs> I think so, and it is very interesting. Of course, you can get all the details in the book <laughs> yes. of, of all of this, but it is interesting. Um, and out of all that, that you've discovered about Mormonism and the origins of the LDS mm -hmm. Church and Joseph Smith and all the rest. In your personal opinion, what is the single most damaging doctrine or event or person, um, and why? Wow. I don't know how you narrow it down to one. I think in, in some ways, um, I'd say the Book of Mormon, because that opened the gate for all the rest of his heresy. And once you get people convinced that the Book of Mormon's true, it undercuts the Bible mm -hmm. and says it's been changed and corrupted. You can't trust right. it, but you can trust the Book of Mormon. Right. And so once they get that into your mind, it's easier to persuade you of the rest because you have no other foundation on which to base your test of truth. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and taking you away from the Bible, taking you to the Book of Mormon, also makes it that you have to accept Joseph Smith as God's prophet right. that restored the book. And that's just one step down the road. Right. The it's false. the worm on the hook to get you to swallow the rest of Mormonism yeah. is accepting the Book of Mormon and the fact that it undermines your confidence in the Bible. It seems to be a gateway uh, to lead you into trusting in Mormon hierarchy more than following God. And I think that's why a lot of us, it was the last thing we gave up, because it it had a higher value of truth to us mm -hmm. as Mormons. Yeah, and it was one of those hard things for me. It it's kind of gets a stranglehold on you for some yeah. for some unknown reason, and it is difficult when you're born from the and the cradle. All you know is that the Book of Mormon's true. Yeah. Um, and you have no reason to believe it's not. Right. Until you start investigating, so that's very interesting. I think it's true. Um, you lost Gerald to Alzheimer's a few years ago. Uh, but have continued the ministry without him. After you lost him, did you consider not going on on your own yes. to, to finish <laughs> this work? And why did you continue on with it? Well, dealing with someone who has a terminal illness is a very draining experience emotionally and physically. And by the time Gerald died... I just was tired. I thought, I, I just can't keep doing this. And to do it alone, to, before with Gerald, when he was uh, able to contribute, he took care of research. I took care of the bookstore and talking to the public. And we each had our roles and our areas that we mm -hmm. uh, contributed to the things at the ministry. 
But without Gerald, that meant all of it fell back to yeah, me. And yeah. I thought, I just can't carry this burden. I, I don't have time to do all these different jobs, right. for one thing. Uh, so it was a very confusing time. You know, is this what God wants me to do, is to close? But um, I was asked to come speak in Hawaii by a church out there uh, right after Gerald died. And um, so some months later, my sister and I went out to Hawaii, and I lectured for a couple of days there. And it was all very well received. And then when I came home, other people started calling and asking if I was still doing uh, talks to groups and things. And so I thought, well, maybe God's showing me that I'm supposed to keep doing my end of it at least. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, it was kind of like God was calling me back in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Is this really what you want, God? You know. I mean? <laughs> so, so he confirmed it was. Yes, uh, it was. And so I've gone on for the 16 years since then. Um and I've been tempted at different times to quit because mm-hmm. I'm getting older and it's just mm-hmm. hard. And, and so this year I've made the decision to retire and I will retire in 20, in, what is it, 2023, next yeah. year. Okay. So uh, mm-hmm. I feel like we did our mission yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're ready for God to use the next generation. So, so who... Um who did your research after? Did you stop research? You still were sending out newsletters with yeah. research information in it. So were you still doing all that yourself? Yeah, I wrote the newsletters. Did There's anybody else help you with the research after Gerald's death? Well, there are a few issues of our newsletter that are articles by other people. Mm-hmm. But other than that, uh, no, I did the research for the newsletters that uh, have my name on them. I did all that. Mm. But I was utilizing Gerald's research that he'd done before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. okay, so God used uh, his work even yes, even, even afterwards. afterwards. Praise God. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're quickly running out of information again on on this part too. But uh, obviously, we can't discuss everything like I've said that's in yeah. the book. So get the book utlm.org or amazon.com and and get her book, the book about the autobiography of Gerald Sandra Tanner. Uh, I was just going to talk about uh, your retirement. It's been six decades, and yeah. it's been a long time. And and I so I had a four-part question. You answered the first part already. When is or your retirement scheduled yeah. for? When you retire, what will happen to your bookstore? Will your website remain? And will the books and pamphlets and all that you offer now still be available after you retire? Well, uh, when... The uh, where to start? Uh, we will close the bookstore March first of the twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three. Yes, okay. all of February will be spent selling out everything in the bookstore, and then we'll close the doors March first, and um, we won't be dealing with the public after that uh, through the store through, through the, the office. Store. Right. Uh, we will retain the website. And uh, at that time, we will also be posting all of our research books on the website. Um, you can get a lot of them now on uh, PDFs through ebook stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can get them online. And we hope to have them all up by the time mm-hmm. uh, we well, close March 1st. Yeah. yeah, so that's what we're working on. 
uh, trying to get all of that available on the website so that it's not like all our research will go away. Right. It's just they won't be able to come in and sit and get talk the with heart. me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is always a pleasure to do. Um, so, so the 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 you offer books in your store now that's yes. not research book. It's just other yes. other books that are of interest to this topic. Uh, they won't be available. Not through me, but most of them are also available on Amazon. Uh, other places, yeah. right? Exactly. Uh, are there things that um, that won't be? I mean, well, you won't you won't be having an inventory. It will all be PDF. Right. It'll right. all be yeah. available be no electronically. Right. And then we hope to give all of our research papers to the University of Utah to their special collections in the Marriott Library, mm-hmm. and so. If anyone ever was curious enough to go back and <laughs> it's look still at, available uh, the, so the research papers will be at the University of Utah. Mm-hmm. Oh interesting. Good. Um, what would be your would you say would be your greatest blessing, your greatest experience uh, either before Gerald died or after he died in doing this work? Wow, uh, there's a lot of them. Um, One was seeing the different family members that have come to Christ through the years. And uh, that's been just just a real uh, encouragement that, because when you first leave, uh, your family all thinks you're crazy and (laughs) uh, they don't want to talk to you about God, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's off off limits. (laughs) uh, Yes, and uh, one by one we saw our parents come to faith in Christ uh, some of our siblings, uh, a lot of our aunts, uncles, cousins have come to Christ over those 60-year period. It didn't mm-hmm. happen quick. Right. I mean, or you go some yes. years before you start seeing success. Yeah. But uh, Gerald's youngest sister just died this last Saturday, Evelyn. And I was able to spend Wednesday a week ago with her, uh, knowing she had inoperable cancer. Oh. And... We had such a sweet time of fellowship and praying together, oh, hugging each isn't other. Isn't that awesome? Because Evelyn was a teenager, a young teen, when we left Mormonism. And we lived with the parents, in the parents' family for a while when we moved back here from, from California. And so I had a lot of time with Gerald's two teenage sisters at that time mm-hmm. in uh, 1960. Mm-hmm living in the home and talking to them about Christ. And then to see them go on to establish themselves as Christians and their husbands as Christians is just been such a thrill. And to spend that time Wednesday reminiscing with Evelyn about the journey we all went on as a family Mm -hmm. and finally everyone coming to Christ. Yeah, oh, what a blessing. I agree with you. What... um, uh, Of course, we deal mostly... I deal mostly with the polygamy issue of Mormonism. Um, what changes have happened on the polygamy scene since you first started doing your research and today? Well, one thing, uh, the polygamists weren't that public as they are now. They all tried to stay more quiet and hidden for fear of uh, being arrested or harassed some way or another. So it's certainly changed where a lot of the polygamists are now publicly going on 
TV or on the internet talking about their experiences, mm. uh, ones that still believe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just openly talking. So that's been quite a shift. And the fact that the government is not pressing to arrest polygamists, that's mm -hmm. been a change. So um, I think that's made it a little easier for some to leave, um, that they don't have to fear as much for persecution or prosecution for mm -hmm. by the law. Yeah. Because uh, I remember a few years back, uh, some of the ladies that I talked to that left uh, uh, polygamous groups here in the Valley, one of their big fears was that uh, since they had claimed welfare uh, uh -huh. for their children, that the group had told them, if you, if you ever go to the outside world, you're going to get arrested and put in jail for uh, misusing... Uh, city, county, state funds or whatever, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, claiming that you should have welfare. The fear factor. Yeah. So there was a yeah. big fear factor, and I think the ladies feel more freedom from that now. Mm -hmm. it's, it's been great yeah. that there is more ability for them to leave. That's I agree. I agree. But um, the fact that it's getting easier to flaunt their polygamy is yeah. distressing as well. Yeah. Finally, at the end of the book, on, in the epilogue, huh. I want to quote from an interview that you had with John DeLynn on yes. Mormon Stories. And I quote, John DeLynn asked you, have you seen people leave Mormonism and find joy? Yes, yes Sandra said, a smile spreading across her face. Is it rare? No. Yeah. And I love that. Yes. Praise I love God. That. People Amen. are coming out and finding joy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because they teach people if you leave, you'll never be happy. Right. Right. And there's so many that the joy is just overwhelming to yes. find the truth. Yes. The release from bondage of mm -hmm. uh, the Mormon control of their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And the freedom that we find in Jesus. Thank you, Sandra, for Thank coming. <laughs> we urge everyone to get the book because there's a lot more information and interesting details in the book. Thank you Thank very you. much for uh -huh. sharing that part of it with us. You know, Matthew 25, verse 21, Jesus explains the rewards of a faithful disciple. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And despite the challenges and the obstacles and the pushback that confronted the Tanners in the laborious work to find the truth and the errors of Mormonism, they were faithful. Uh, they continued as good and faithful servants to their master, Jesus. Jesus said that knowing the truth will set us free. Despite the fact that the Mormon culture claims to have God's truths, they don't. Their claims are empty. And as many people can testify, the doctrines of Mormonism causes bondage, not freedom in Jesus. Galatians tells us that it's for freedom that Jesus has set us free, and we're warned not to take uh, any, not to be taken into any religious bondage once we have discovered the truth. Even the story of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar that polygamists used to justify polygamy, Galatians tells us that Sarah represents freedom and Hagar, the secondary wife, represents that bondage that we're warned against. We want to thank the Tanners for their faithfulness and finding in publishing the truth, uh, no matter what the consequences were. We pray our Mormon and polygamous viewers will be as diligent to discover their only Savior is Jesus and that He is all they need. Thank you for watching.
This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.